0: Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up for Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at manupforlife at yahoo.com or at Man Up For Life across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed, be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. Hello,
1: hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Motown Philly podcast, where we do communication, connection, and community. I am so excited today. We are in our 48th episode of this podcast. We have been hitting it for 48 weeks straight, and I'm super, super excited because we have a special guest on with us today but before we get to her i just want to bring you guys into the room come on in come on in come on in tim can you let us know about some gratitude in this situation right here
0: yes indeed welcome y'all as jason said the episode 48 of the motown philly podcast you just heard from my main man jason hall who is the motown in motown philly from the motor city detroit and yours truly tim golden i'm from city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we just want to, as we do here each week, share with you our little gratitude ritual. You know, Jason and I have come to understand that gratitude is the best medicine. When we're grateful for things, even when things aren't going quite the way we would like them to go, things in our lives might not be exact, might not be exactly as we would like them to be, But nevertheless, that doesn't prevent us from being grateful. So we're just thankful for 48 weeks straight of delivering what we think is high quality content or communication, connection, and community. Can't believe 48 weeks has gone by so quickly. I just want to remind you all how thankful we are. You all bring us into your lives. When you go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or to your favorite podcast hosting platform, and you click subscribe, you incorporate us into your lives. Yeah. Maybe you're doing the dishes, maybe you going to pick up the kids from school, maybe you going to the bank, maybe you going to the gym, maybe you are in the gym, on the treadmill, listening to this energy we giving you, and you just want to go faster and faster. Maybe you slinging some iron in the gym, whatever you are doing, whatever you're doing throughout your day, Jason and I just want you to know we don't take it for granted. We are thankful that we are part of your lives, that you make us part of your lives. And it's a privilege and an honor. And we just want to continue to interact with you beyond the show. So if you haven't already, go ahead and join the Motown Philly Podcast Facebook group. Come in, join, share your thoughts share your feelings, talk about the episodes. If you have a lot of praise, give that to us. If you have areas where we think we can do better, give us your criticism as long as it's constructive. Jason and I are all about getting better. So again, we just want to say thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And Jason, I think that today we are going to drop something really high quality on our extra dope, super duper listening audience. Why don't you go ahead and share with us what we getting into today, man. Here at the Motown (laughs) Philly podcast, episode 48. Take it away, Jay. True, true, true. true. Extra dope, extra phenomenal uh,
1: Motown Philly uh, audience. I want to introduce you guys to an extra dope, extra phenomenal um, guest that we have on today. Her name is Miss Janet Marisol Reyes. Yo, say what's up to the people, Janet.
2: Hi, everybody! Thank you for getting my name right, Janet Marisol Reyes. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm grateful.
1: Listen, we're 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 super excited, and um, <laughs> the, the t- today's theme is is bringing the SLP world, speech language pathology world, which is wh- what for those of you guys who just know me as the communication skills coach, like this is why I'm the communication skills coach. I have a, a background in speech language pathology. I've gotten my master's in such thing I've practiced for almost 20 years in speech language pathology. And I've met some dope ass people. And Janet is not just a speech-language pathologist. She is a friend of mine. She is a good friend of mine who lives in LA and she's going to share a little bit in this time that we have together about what she does and how she impacts her world and influences them to, to other people that ripples out and creates a huge effect on kids. Janet, is it true? Let's talk a little bit. You tell us what sector in the speech therapy or speech language pathology field do you work, work in currently? What do you do?
2: Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. (laughs) I work um, with the pediatric population primarily. Uh, I work uh, full time in the school setting. So uh, ages preschool all the way through middle school. I have worked with high school students. I also do uh, in-home speech therapy with infant and toddlers. So um, that's the zero to three population for early intervention um, is my primary focus. I have worked With adults and um, I just love my little ones which is ironic because when I started grad school uh, my goal was to work with the geriatric population and in the medical setting Mm -hmm. I um, remember being in grad school and saying to my clinical director please don't give me any little ones I don't want them please do not Um, and of course, that's what I got, and I fell in love.
1: <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! So, uh, so, so, all of them, for the most part, would you say like ninety-eight <coughs> percent of them are are mo- are p- peds or kids that you work with?
2: Yes, uh, pediatric. Um, little ones uh i've i think the youngest i've had is maybe like 12 months and oh, wow. um i all the way to uh currently like maybe 14 years old um it's so primarily 14 months to 14 <laughs> Okay.
1: okay. Before I let Tim ask ask this question, I want to make something really clear. Let the people know because this is what I understand and I believe you do too. Like what is a speech language pathologist? For those of the for those who are in our audience who are listening, who have small kids or might know someone who have small kids that might be able to hear something from you today that you might share that they can even share this podcast out to them. Like from the from the jump, let the individuals, let the the audience know, like, what is a speech language pathologist or speech therapist, if you will? Um, tell me, what do you do? How do you okay. help?
2: <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we uh, a speech language pathologist has uh, works with assessing, diagnosing, uh, and treating speech and language and communication disorders so speech we work with receptive language understanding of language expressive language um, that is how you communicate and also the speech sounds so oftentimes people think speech and they're, they're like oh i don't have a problem with speech i'm fine um, we also do feeding and swallowing so um, there are individuals uh, pediatric children that I've worked with that have um, you know, sensory aversion okay. due to having autism or other things like feeding and swallowing disorders that we also work with so um, that's another thing that they may not know they're like oh I don't have a speech problem or I understand what yeah. they're saying um, so we work with communication uh, there are a lot of non-speaking autistic individuals who don't speak but that doesn't mean that they don't understand language so non-speaking doesn't mean that you know you're not thinking uh, so then we Work with alternate forms of communication, meaning uh, there's uh, different assistive technology that helps enables a person to communicate. Uh, So we um with the pediatric population there is a lot of parent education um and family involvement which i really love doing is a lot of uh supporting the family and able uh being able to train and support them on how to be best uh provide language support um and help their children gain language or communicate more effectively Mm true
0: true 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 tim Wow, Janet, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm getting nostalgic (laughs) and I'll tell you why, because yours truly at the age of, I guess, six or so, but really before six, I'd say it was from the time I began talking up until about the age of six. I had a severe speech impediment. I spoke with a lisp and I stuttered very very badly and it was so bad to the point where the social anxiety that came from speaking to other people in ordinary everyday conversation caused me to withdraw and become averse to people because Mm -hmm. i didn't want to have any embarrassment and it was hard it was hard to to live with that and there was one area in which i did not have a problem and for some reason that was reading out loud in class i went to catholic school and in those days i guess it was the early 70s i'm a kid growing up in philadelphia in catholic school and each of the students during English during this part of the school day devoted to English and reading would have to read out loud. And that was my favorite part of the day. So while I hated speaking to people, I liked reading because I could do that and I could Mm -hmm. do that. And I did it without a lisp and I did it with stuttering. But my, my parents saw the social anxiety. And so my mother, made some phone calls and come to find out one of the nuns at my school did what you do. She was a That's licensed, amazing. She was a licensed speech pathologist and her name was Sister Elaine Marie. I'll never forget her. Wow. She worked with me, Janet, for 3 years. From the age of 6 until I was 9. I used to have to go see her in the summertime. And I hated going to see her in the summertime. <laughs> Let me tell y'all right now, Tim, I'm getting goosebumps, bro. Just
1: keep going. I'm getting goosebumps. From what she she
0: was so patient with me and she worked with me so well. I-, I just didn't know what to do. So I get to three years later, now I'm nine years old and I can talk to people and I don't speak with a lisp and I'm not stammering, I'm not stuttering. And so it went from me being silent at the dinner table, and I'm the youngest of seven children, I come from a big family, to now I wanted to talk about everything.
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh. You know, that is a, I love that. Parents always tell me that mm-hmm. they're like, Janet, I don't know what you did with them, but they will not shut up. I'm like, I'm so I warning you, right. I'm, once they get started, they're just going to go with it. <laughs>
0: Yep, And Janet she just She told me and she said Timothy she said I'm so (laughs) Proud of you and she would Tell me she used to say to me When I was struggling during A a session I would have with her She used to say Timothy One day there's going To be a whole lot of people Who want to listen to everything You have to say (laughs) And for some reason I you know now I'm an I'm an adult right And Mm -hmm. I'm a college professor. So I'm always speaking in front of people there. I'm a lawyer. And now I'm about to take the stage in a couple of months as an actor to portray August Wilson to a theater full of about 300 people. And so it's amazing to me the, and maybe that's why I'm so close with Jason. And now I almost feel myself getting close to you too. That's yeah. a beautiful
2: thing. <laughs> Take her
0: in. She's a, great. A speech <laughs> pathologist really paved the way for me to live the life that I'm living. And I'm so grateful for that. And so it, with all of that, I wanted to just ask you, Janet, do you have any sort of success stories like that? And if so, how did they come about? And what is it, how rewarding is it? So I guess there's two questions. One, do you have any success stories like that? And two, how, how does it make you, how do you feel when you see one of your students really do a 180? And gain that confidence That you know will help them live A a better more functional life
2: I feel like it's the reason i do what i do it's life-changing to me and that's where i fell in love that's where when i said i don't want the little ones where i'm like i can make an impact like i'm the first speech language pathologist they're gonna meet and i want it to be a great experience i want them to have a life-changing experience i want them um to be able to communicate, to tell their parents, I love you, to, um, I mean, I have so many success stories. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I think, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is my little ones, uh, you know, because I'm at a school setting, I see them from preschool and I see them grow, you know, go to middle school and yeah. they graduate. They don't need me anymore. I have individuals, uh, uh, you know, of a little one who just graduated like three years ago. Uh, she stuttered and she She um doesn't anymore Uh, and she'll so it was really cute because now she has like a group of friends and she you know has her little book reading club and they'll come by and knock on my door and she used to pretend that she was still stuttering because she wanted to come and see me I would say I was like honey you don't have to like it's okay are you really and her friends like you don't stutter anymore you're just saying that they would like call you know like call her out (laughs) um but I think it's amazing. Amazing, um, and not only success stories and their—it's um, their confidence that I really love. Like to see their confidence uh, just skyrocket, go from not wanting to have friends to you know now having a group of friends and just being so independent. And um, it warms my heart. It's why I do what I do. Um, it. It brings, I feel like I get to help people and I get paid. Like I kind of feel like, and I get to get paid for this. Like, wow. Okay, cool. This is awesome. This is something I would naturally, I'm a helper. I'm a giver. I want to help people and I get to get paid for this. Cool. Wow.
0: Wow. That's great, Janet. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) So
1: for those of you guys who are listening, um, I know as of yet, we don't have our video podcast up and going and we believe it's coming in the future. But if you guys sh- could have seen the look on uh, Tim's face and Janet's face as Tim was expressing like <laughs> what he went through way back in the day and finally meeting uh, Sister Ellen and then as as Janet's like taking in the story, she's like glowing because she lives in that every day when she meets and greets and makes you know new new students um, hers, and she watches them kind of go through the process of, of therapy and and seeing them really excel. So Janet was beaming. I was just beaming, just watching both of you guys kind of kind of experience uh, that particular. Um, story together so Tim I love that story Uh, Janet I've heard that story a few times and as a speech language pathologist though I haven't worked uh, with kids or peds one-on-one like Tim is Tim is so right just think about it like that particular person came into Tim's life and not only helped him of course with his ability to articulate and to talk in in realms and ways in which he 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 could be confident because it wasn't just an expressive thing it was a it was kind of a social aspect as well and now he talks to like tim is tim is humble so he won't tell you how many people he's actually talked to in his life Mm -hmm. yo if you guys don't know tim is a pie tim (laughs) tim if you if you're new listeners tim has spoken to many tim has spoken to millions let's just say that you know he has a TED talk that has gone viral, if you guys don't know, um, on the emotional abuse of men. And he has over a million, maybe two million, close to two million views. But the point is someone like yourself, Janet, unlocking, unlocking something in a young person and a kid that allows them to touch so many people because they are able to, you know, articulate, to express and then get past those social barriers Of lack of confidence because so much comes with with communication so much comes with the ability to articulate it's not just you getting the sounds right it's like your own personal um your own personal like birthing new birthing if you will of being able to to interact with individuals where you found yourself being more of a recluse um so much to say about that But I mean Jason if, me.
0: if I could just chime in here there, There's <laughs> a there's a philosopher A German philosopher In the 20th century His name was Ludwig Wittgenstein And Wittgenstein Makes the point It's a very profound point about language He says The limits of my language Are the limits of my world And if you think about that It, it, it speaks to the heart Of of what builds community, which is communication. I, one of the things I've envied about you, Jason, and obviously you too, Janet, is that I, both of y'all are bilingual. If somebody <laughs> dropped me off in Mexico, you're <laughs> right Janet's trilingual. If somebody dropped me off in Mexico right now, Michoacán,
2: I would. Michoacán, that's where my parents are from. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> They're from Michoacán. They drop me off and i
0: would be in a world of trouble, right? Why? Because my language is limited. So the extent to which I would be able to negotiate my way through the ins and outs of everyday life would be severely hindered. And what I what I love about your work, Janet, and and yours too, Jason, and the work of Sister Elaine Marie, for whom I am always grateful, because every time I get up to teach a class or argue to a judge or a jury or get on the stage to portray a character. I have to remember that scared little six year old boy who didn't want to talk to anybody, right? Because the limits of my language really limited my world and my world was limited to the world of my imagination and Mm -hmm. imagination is good. But when you overindulge it at the expense of building community with other people, it can become problematic and I'm grateful that my mother and father saw that and I remember my father uh, when I had finished with Sister Elaine Marie and she told me she didn't need me anymore my father was passing the dinner table one night and of course I was in the middle of a sentence talking and he said you know before you didn't say anything and he said now you just on your way to being a lawyer huh (laughs) he said we can't we can't keep you from talking (laughs) it kind of just passed it kind of went over my head at the time but I I think about that from time to time so I don't ever want like I wouldn't want our listeners out there right and Janet I wanted to ask you this question too but I just want to finish this point don't take people like Janet and Jason for granted, because if you have, if you're listening and you have children who are going through these difficulties, they're really experiencing a crunch on their world. It's really a struggle. And, and so they, they can't, uh, they can't make it out of that because the limits of their language are really the limits of their world. But Janet, I was going to ask you, we hear so much about i know i heard a lot growing up that boys tend to have a stuttering problem that
2: it's a lot more common in boys yes
0: yeah it's a lot more common in boys than it is in girls could you give us some insight on that
2: janet what, what? um i i believe that the statistics right now i want to say three for every three or four about boys that stutter one girl stutters wow um, yeah so it's you're three to four times more likely to stutter if it is, if you are a boy. Um. There is some her- hereditary factor, you are very likely to stutter if you have uh, a parent who stutters uh, or a family member who stutters. Uh, stuttering is one of those things where we still don't really understand. There is a lot of research, but there's still a lot of unknowns. The, the actual ideology and the, like, the reason behind it, um, there is no uh, one exact thing, right? Um, i would like to there is a great film that was uh, a documentary it's called when i stutter uh, and it was produced by a former professor of mine Uh, he is also a speech language pathologist and it gives great insight into the world of uh stuttering and what it's like to be an adult who stutters um i think that it's beautiful that uh I do I am able to help a lot of individuals who stutter however there are stuttering doesn't like necessarily go away for everybody so so it's lifelong for some people and so it's a lot of times it's like living with the stutter and just knowing the different strategies um yeah
0: wow so um sorry go for it it. i just had one follow-up go go go, so janet do you find that you have to use different strategies in working with a boy who stutters versus working with a girl who stutters do boys and girls process the the therapy differently and if so how
2: and this is just in my personal experience I always say everybody is an individual everybody is different however um, uh, girls I, I found that their um, their their confidence is a little bit like easier to get like the I don't know if it's because I'm a woman like to connect with them and um, uh, get them to really just be like yeah I don't care like i just tell people i stutter or you know i'm gonna get them to uh we work on self-advocacy a lot where boys i kind of have to push and struggle with a little bit more um and there's almost a sort of like it's either they're a lot quieter or aggressive like they'll be the aggressor instead so that they're not made fun of Mm -hmm. um and the girls are you know it's just a matter of fact like okay i'm gonna learn everything that i need to learn so that (laughs) um that's just been my personal experience but i can't uh i i think it's so individual because there's different um you know there's very severe stutters Uh, there's a lot of uh what they call secondary behaviors, which there will be eye twitching and eye movements and necking. Next, it almost may look kind of like for some individuals, like Tourette's. Like so, I have even little ones who have a very severe stutter, and they do compensatory strategies. Um, uh, yeah. So it it does vary. Some it has varied in my personal experience, but I with the caveat that, you know, every individual is different. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. S-
1: so go for it, Janet. You
2: I want to add something that you were saying, go back to what you were saying before you asked me that que- question, about the importance of, um, n- getting treatment for individuals because I, uh, working with the pediatric population, uh, oftentimes it's a struggle. Um, some parents kind of struggle with, um, they're like, oh, they'll outgrow it. It's not that serious, like they'll be okay and don't necessarily seek out treatment immediately or, or wait a little bit longer. Um, there's kind of, you know, a taboo culturally depending, I work with a lot of Latino population or like the black and brown community where we're like, oh no, like it's fine. Uh, and. like you said, it is, it's important Their children are struggling to communicate. And, uh, it's just really important to seek that Mm -hmm. help. And there is a lot of help out there, um, and resources for early intervention where it's, uh, federally funded. So it's not even paid out of pocket, you know,
1: to piggyback on that and go in that vein. Like, is there, what's a too early? Is there a too early? My child is too, is too young for this or, When do you When can you get them in When can If someone's listening Like What's the What's an age limit To get someone in To see someone Who might Be suspected Of having some issues
2: Well if a child is born uh, prematurely usually they have a, or they qualify for early intervention services because they're sometimes going to be more likely to have a developmental disability or delay so uh, if they're more likely and they fall in that category they can get prevented like early intervention through the regional center and that's where that is um, you know funded by local agencies and uh, they're able to seek out help Usually, I'd say if your child is not speaking by, you know, 18 months and maybe has just one or two words, uh, that's con- that would be a concern. Uh, even if they are bilingual, oftentimes people will say like, oh, it's, they're confused because they speak two languages. And that's not the case. Like they should be still be communicating and understanding.
1: So twofold question. Where does someone go seek this immediate help, especially if they missed out in the first year or so? Maybe they they have a premature child or have had a child who's premature and um, they are noticing some developmental delays in communication like and they've been disconnected from I don't know the machine or the hospital or maybe they're not too involved as far as or their physician is not too involved in, in, or versed in what you and I do Um, especially a a pediatric therapist Like, how do they initiate how do they get who do they go to and um, here's another one we might go at later but it's like what is advocacy to you in this realm of what you do
2: okay oh that's two okay let's see where do they go to so i mean i would uh there are local regional centers and agencies anywhere um and you could look speech therapy early intervention now if it's not early intervention anymore um if your child is three and only speaking a few words uh not talking at all or you're concerned about anything like that you can go to the local public the public school and uh request uh an evaluation so that's part of the american with disabilities act the individualist edu- um uh, the idea individualized uh, education plan they they have um Support, So they will evaluate your child for free and they can get free speech therapy services through the public school system, even if they are not uh, enrolled in the school, it would have to be their homeschool, but these are services that um, they can get.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. I never knew that information. It's pretty, that's yeah. pretty awesome. A
2: lot of parents don't know that, and that is where the advocacy. That's where I'm. I usually go around sharing this. I share on social media. I tell parents. I tell anybody that's pregnant. Um, I, and when I was uh, in graduate school, we I did go um, I work with an interdisciplinary team. Of professionals and uh, it was a group of speech therapists, uh, uh, dentists and dental hygienists, nurses, public health administrators and we would go to these uh, places where pregnant mothers for WIC so that we would go to these WIC places and provide a parent education to these service. because often you don't know especially if it's your first child you don't know uh, what you don't know and oftentimes, uh, even pediatricians will just say wait and see um, and the sooner there's so much research to show that the sooner they get support the, the better the outcome
0: real oh, cool Janet, I, I, let me ask this question. What do you say to our parents out there who are listening, who may be seeing signs that their child is in need of uh, some speech language therapy? How it, it suppose you, you have a parent who's listening and their question is, well, how can I support my child independent? Of What is going on With their speech language pathologist In other words uh, What I'm asking is Do you have recommendations to the parents For things that they can do At home Do you give your students Homework that parents Can supervise or Help their students with Because I I remember My speech language Pathologist sister Elaine She would give me homework and my mother would have to hold up cards with yeah. letters that had and uh, words that had the letter s in it and i had to say it and i had to give the you know definition yeah do all these things so what what kinds of things do you how do you equip parents to reinforce the great work that you do with them when you see them at school at home
2: um, uh, that, I mean, I do, I give parents homework before I give the children homework. <laughs> I'm like, I hey, give the parents homework. I'm like, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, now with. Older students, I will give them homework. But once I know that they've mastered uh, a certain, they've reached a certain level because then it's counter, they're doing, if they're producing those sounds incorrectly, I don't want them to continue to reinforce the error, the way, right, and produce that. But for little ones, uh, if they feel um, definitely um, children's language is play, uh, play, children learn language through play and connection that's where you know connection and language they're all in communication it's all in one like everything they, pragmatic language which is social communication the interaction the back and forth communication um they learn through listening the way they're saying you know you're producing the sounds the intonation so uh playing with your children and not applying that pressure but just adding that added language if a child can say buh instead of ball like ball you don't um, with uh, oftentimes parents are so um, eager for their children to talk or because they're, they have a delay they ask a lot of questions and they're putting pressure on the child like what's this what's that show me this give me this what is that and there are so many questions just like you don't want to be ask questions but you want it to flow and be a conversation so playing with the ball like I'm bouncing the ball throw me the ball here is the ball look I like the red ball give me the red ball I'll give you the yellow ball mm-hmm. so producing the language expanding the child if they say "ba" or ma like say mama say ma no, like you know mama that's right uh just expanding on what they're already doing and if they're not producing it um really play engage with your child now i know that we're all tired and we're all you know have life and but i always say set aside 15 to 20 minutes a day do it during a routine brush your teeth together during bath time um, have your children cook with you make a sandwich uh, do something together uh, come connect and communicate and just uh enjoy each other and laugh children feel loved the most when they're being played with and they that's also when they're learning language mm-hmm.
0: yeah very mm-hmm. nice wow parents i hope you're listening take notes <laughs> out there i'm telling you jay i don't know where else in the podcast world you're going to get a guest like this i mean i'm just saying <laughs> we we at motown philly we are about communication connection and community and you just heard it right there how we can connect with our children who may find themselves in this big big world struggling to figure it all out and it's wonderful to have beautiful souls like janet who are there to help them along the way and parents you can help them too so i hope y'all are taking notes out there true 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 um i want to kind of
1: swing this conversation slightly in another direction however tim and i have to pay some bills so we're going to have a short break and we're going to come back and we're going to ask some questions about how janet really got into this field dig in a little bit more about her story i think that will be cool as well so listen to this and we'll be right
0: back Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host, Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called a vocal owner's manual and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, the speakers mechanic is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in and thanks to the speakers mechanic for this sponsorship.
1: Welcome back, guys. Now, right now, we're talking about Janet. And we want to dig in a little bit about kind of where Janet got this idea of, I want to be a speech therapist. (laughs) But before I dive into that, the listeners don't know. I'm going to say this. So communication, connection, and community. Like this is not something that is the theme of our podcast somehow i've learned or ascertained information that janet too definitely vibes with this theme communication connection and community it is a part of who she is janet talk to me a little bit about communication
2: (laughs) communication
1: (laughs) connection and community and uh let me so, just tell a story go ahead tell go a story ahead. i'm gonna tell
2: a story
0: because <laughs> jason
2: Janet. you know we're friends we were talking a while ago and he was telling me about this podcast i was like how have i known you this long and you didn't share you had a podcast like he okay blah 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 so he's <laughs> talking about like this you know community connection and i was like did you see it on my instagram and i was like I said that he said no I said that I'm like I got evidence to support Uh-oh. the fact that I said this back in like two years ago and Uh-oh. I was on my I made like a little infographic and everything now she did. She did. I was she like did. so uh, my title our title Jason is CCCSLP, SLP which I kind of played off of that CCC stands for certificate of clinical competence uh through our national governing body uh asha american speech language hearing association so that's our title so janet marisol reyes CCC SLP. then i was like oh how cool like ccc what does that stand for what does that mean to me so to me uh you can't have communication without connect- community and connection and the point is for us to be able to be a part of this larger community and create community in your spaces so I was like community connection com- is communication you can't have it there; like you need all of it and we're having this conversation so he's sharing so I thought that was kind of cool that you know so, uh, so I think may- I think you saw my Instagram post and then just so- kept scrolling and didn't know it was me.
1: <laughs> so maybe Tim, maybe Chick the 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 the, the mantra of Motown Philly podcast uh, of communication, connection, community could have possibly been inspired by La what is la chingona slp la slp chingona that's my instagram yeah that's their instagram guys and i might have scrolled upon it two years ago and it hit me and it hit me so i proposed it a year later i don't know i'm telling you i had no conscious influence but (laughs) the point is the point is it resonates so strongly the ability to to communicate not just outwardly but inwardly what is the dialogue that we're having with ourselves that's so important which create creates that connection you need to know and understand and be aware of yourself with and not just outwardly but of course inwardly and then it helps to create that community it just makes sense so it's maybe it's just two brilliant minds thinking. I don't know, Tim. What do you think?
0: Well, I have no doubt that uh, Jason and you and Janet are two brilliant minds who may even think of like. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm we lucky. Janet is super duper cool because I smell.
2: Because <laughs> I, I was like, I have evidence to support. I, I smell. smell. I be
0: right you know, Right infringement. Right <laughs> infringement. Awesome. Janet was I
2: was like you lucky we cool we friends we homies it's cool it's cool Jared
0: was trying to be litigious up in this because <laughs> <laughs> we out there but we ain't like I mean we ain't Joe Rogan we ain't bringing in no not, yeah.
1: yet. not yet not yet
0: that's right not yet that's soon good. we will I- wow, right. wow.
1: So, so here's a follow up question thank you uh, Janet for clearing certain things up in my head and even with our podcast listeners I do want to understand something though um, I know you've grown up in these those LA streets out there in California and you've seen and experienced you were an 80s, 90s baby I'm interested to know like what shaped you in being who you are today and doing what you do today so it's really an open-ended question and I know my story and I'm just thinking about what is your story and why does what you do resonate so strongly with 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 um you know your background
2: oh that's like a loaded question
1: I'm sorry. Um that's you, a lot. But you can handle it. Um, you can yeah, it. I know you can. I
2: got this. Uh so yes. I am also oh. the youngest of nine children. Uh, Mexican American household, immigrant parents, uh it's I think I've been learning to navigate and communicate with different worlds from birth. You know, my parents didn't speak English um, and being the youngest, you know, my siblings were gone uh, out of the house early. And so I was helped, you know, I think I wish I could put interpreter, translator, like on my resume from five years of age um, and navigating like the different worlds and uh, what it's like being in an immigrant household of older parents. And then also uh, a world uh, where it's completely different from what my world at home is. As soon as I close the door, also very... uh, Strict religious background. My parents. I was raised Jehovah Witness. Um, also having. Uh, then uh, I loved school. Super passionate about school. It was kind of my outlet. We grew up. I grew up very poor. Like very very poor. Um, there was you know nine of us living in a one bedroom household (laughs) uh you know i didn't know what a bedroom or a bed or even a futon was like i you know roll up my bed on the floor um and so that there was that and then um also navigating my teenage years um a lot of uh other issues uh running away from home going from loving school to having uh not the greatest background you know life at home running away from home at a teenager moved to mexico left and now i'm learning to navigate another world in mexico at 15 years of age um with no support no family communication for years come back uh so i'm you know don't have a high school education high school dropout ran away from like left at ninth grade uh come back uh decide I need to make money (laughs) become a hairstylist full-time hairstylist uh uh run my own business and then work for myself and uh then I had a child and was like Haley like Yeah, I think I want to go back to school. I want to learn uh, sign language. It was really because I wanted to learn sign language. Then I learned about, you know, speech language pathology. I was like, this is cool. Like, I could do this. I could talk. I could do this. I've been a hairdresser for years at this point. Um, And uh, I get there. I transfer. I get there and I realize, oh, I I didn't even know that I needed my master's. I was just like, all right, let me do it. And. When I became a part of that, like, on my journey, it was just kind of like, oh, let's just do it. Um, seeing uh, the need, uh, being able, being an older, first-generation student, I was able to really find joy, really, um, and meaning in helping other people and being there for somebody else like i always like helping people by doing hair but you know it made them feel good but it was like on a deeper level and i was like uh this this just sparks joy being able to be someone that i needed like be the person that you know you you needed when you were younger um kind of thing and so being able to support um Along the journey, I've become a mentor for a lot of undergraduate and graduate students. So not only do I like helping a lot of, uh, you know, families and, student- and people in need, but like also first generation students, people who don't understand that come that have to navigate those two worlds, that academic world and that, you know, home and having to, you know, work full time and go to school and um our program is very rigorous. It's as hard to get into a speech pathology program as it is to get into medical school. Like it's really hard to get into our program. So like have having all of those other obstacles and to compete with those people, like really kind of just was the catalyst. It was kind of just, it found me. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm gonna do this. Like, why not? I could do this. I get summers off, cool. <laughs> Um, and it's kind of what uh, keeps me going um, I get I truly get joy from being there being able to support uh, other individuals I uh, being uh, myself in this world where I've been told um, that I'm not professional looking enough or uh, I shouldn't speak the way I speak or I shouldn't, you know, dress and look the way I look Um, and uh, it kind of was just like, just watch, like I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be myself but being able to hear back. from not only students, but families like, oh, you're the first person like that my child likes. You're the first person that, you know, I feel comfortable enough asking questions to, uh, to really be able to connect with individuals because I'm myself and authentic, se- my authentic self. Like, I think it's so important um, to, so it is what propels me every day when I wake up in the morning. There's wow, there's
0: Janet, I can there, right? I can it is really written all over your face. I can I can mm-hmm. see that. Janet, I would like to ask, where did you go to school for undergrad and for graduate school?
2: Um, Cal State uh, LA, so California State okay. University Los Angeles and it was it's in the heart of LA. I'm um, in East LA area and um, it was life changing it would the, the the faculty the staff it's a hispanic serving institution so um uh the faculty does not resemble <laughs> necessarily ref, does not reflect uh our you know my peers and my colleagues my i am in a field that is over 90 percent white Mm. uh you know and uh it doesn't reflect that some of my professors you know were you know i had a professor you know wave his hand all over my face and said you know you're you're a great student but you're not applying to art school this is not gonna work and um (laughs) so uh, yeah it's yeah so right.
0: so that's, you went to right. to the same school for both your undergrad both
2: undergrad and graduate mm-hmm. yeah i applied yeah. i applied to other programs but um i i because i am a single mom and need didn't want to change too much i chose to stay local Sure. so yeah. what
0: uh, what was your undergraduate major community speech communication
2: Yeah, well it changed So I was in school for a long time Because I had no clue Um, I went in there just because I wanted I went to community college first Um, I was doing hair And decided, hey, I want to learn sign language So I decided to go learn sign language And then I said, you know Maybe I should just get my bachelor's degree But I didn't know in what Um, So I did Initially I majored in like uh, Like Computer science and I love techie stuff, so I am like, Oh, computer science, and no, then engineering. So I did, I tried to do biomedical engineering and chemical engineering, and then, um, that really wasn't for me once I started to take those other courses. It was like, It's like, oh, dude, nah, no, this is I don't want to be stuck in the lab, like, I like being around people and talking to people, uh, and so. I discovered the field of communication disorders. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. I could do that.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So so that's what you decided to do. Now, when you were answering Jason's question, you talked a lot about (laughs) being an older student and being a non-traditional student and all of those sorts of things. I'm wondering, is there a connection between your experience going back to school and in some ways maybe feeling like an outsider, meeting resistance and being told that you can't do something while retaining your own identity. is that My question is, is there a connection between that and the experiences of the students that you help? In other words, Do you see yourself at all in some of the students that you help? Students who are obviously at a very different stage of their lives than you were when you went back to school, but who nevertheless are facing obstacles, right? Who are facing some level of resistance. And if there is a connection between your experience and those of your kids, that is, if you do look at the kids that you work with and in some sense see yourself how does that inform your interactions with the kids and do you think that makes you more passionate and leads to better outcomes for the children that you are charged with helping
2: I definitely think it makes a difference and I do see that I mean I've even talked to my therapist about it you know there's times where like I struggle and I'm like oh like I've I'm like oh this really hit home and I think that you know it is it resonates with me on a deeper level uh, because it it's really that connection understand like I get it like there's this unwritten thing like sometimes they don't even have to say it like I kind of can i feel it like what they're going through so yeah so it i go out of my well out of my way um and it is kind of like healing my inner child like in bit Mm -hmm. by bit like as i help help them i am helping that like inner little janet that didn't have that support right um which has um my therapist would be very proud of me right now, just so you know, <laughs> like, but um, there is that connection and there is, I mean, there is evidence to support also that uh, connection, the, um, the connection and relationship between uh, the individual and the, th- the clinician and the client um, is sometimes like, it, for example, in stuttering, it is 30% of the success outcome is that connection that you have with uh, the individual. So yeah, I I know that it it does definitely make a difference.
0: Wow, wow. And you know, it's funny you should say that because the nun who helped me, who was a SLP, speech language pathologist, mm. she was also my third grade teacher. So I knew her from school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I was going to work with a stranger. I was working with somebody who I already knew. At first, it was kind of weird seeing my teacher outside of school time. But, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you see yourself making some progress. And my goodness, she was such a sweet woman and she was so kind. She had the patience of Job. She was so kind. She was. She was. She was made to do that, right? And I sense <laughs> the same energy from you, Janet. That there is some sort of destiny for you in in this work. That this is more, much more mm-hmm. than just a career for you. That this is a vocation, right? That yes. this is in some sense a calling. And so, for you to be able to make that connection is, is a great thing. I remember thinking to myself, "My goodness." i see sister elaine in school i see her after school i see her on the weekends i see her in the summertime and (laughs) it was like she was a big part of my life and i think like you said that went a long way toward toward the success that that we had together
2: it does thank you for sharing thank you
1: (laughs) i want to kind of dig into that though janet um a lot of the things when you were telling me about your overall experience and I was just listening to like the evolution to you actually going and starting grad school Um, service like you have a huge heart for service helping and some of it I heard in the fact that maybe it's some of you some of it's part of you healing yourself and that is definitely something that you know, I, I think on some level, when we search out inside of ourselves to be better human beings, we often have this wealth of knowledge, information and insight that it almost seems wrong to keep it inside of us. It's mm-hmm. like it's selfish. It's like the ultimate betrayal of humanity in a lot of ways. But it's I think it's just it's so apparent just listening to you like your heart for service is humongous Um, and it drives you and I know because I know you so there's like this there's people understand my understand that hey you just kind of are the the advocate and the the therapist or helper or if you will in a lot of ways to help individuals kind of transform their communication skills but I know that you also advocate for just really just as strong for people in the field that you know look like that look like us that have like mm-hmm. you know black and brown people who are in a profession like you said that is predominantly white 90 with 92% right and yeah something like that and, and like 8% minority and it is it is it can be very challenging because the curriculum the ideology just a school of thought comes from a system that doesn't or was not
2: doesn't include us, for us.
1: <laughs> and and so you pair this with this strong service so I really want to know about that and then you have this certain mindset or certain heart to be low I'm going to do this service but I'm going to show up like myself I'm not acquiescing I'm not like I'm not like trying to fit in Like I'm showing up so authentic I'm showing up so me And And it resonates with those who I work with, You know the kids and who I work with And the families Let's talk about your big service heart And where the hell does that come from <laughs> And and let's talk about Like what What makes you like what makes you so like how do you do how do you how are you so authentic? Like how do you like I I because I know you and there's a backstory, like what makes you so proud to be um you so, so
2: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I mean I'm just me. I don't know how no, I think I do know. Um so I I think it was those younger years of not being able to be me, right? And being, having that, um, but I think it's kind of always been in me that, like, question everything and, like, why? Like, I need to know why. Like, if it doesn't make sense, it's not going to happen. I remember, you know, very strict household, I remember being, like, 11 and my dad you know my parents were like you're going and we had to go to church like every like three times a week everything Bible study and I just was like I'm not going anymore and like why like you need to answer these like why and you know they couldn't answer and I'm like no like I who says that I can't do this or I have to dress this way or same thing now who says that you know I can't have pink hair or purple hair like that it's not professional like that doesn't make sense. It I think that I'm gonna let my let my work ethic and myself like speak that's who I am. Um, not with this like perceived social con- whatever people want society and it varies by society maybe it's because i've lived in different worlds and had to really observe and navigate okay this society like my my immigrant household and parents a certain generation or like then this you know wider society then moving to mexico at a young my formative years and having to see how it's a completely different world and each one says they're right or it has to be this way. I'm like, well, I'm just me. Like, this is who I am. Whether you like it or not, like, I don't care. (laughs) Um, You know, I think also, uh, I will say I was, when I was younger and a a young teen, I was in a a very abusive relationship at a young age. So I, uh, you know, domestic violence, like very abusive relationship, like life-threatening. So, um, that, like, having to not be able to be myself, um, and being you know, and then finally getting you know, leaving that situation at a very young age. Um, I decided that nobody was gonna ever tell me, like, I can't be this way. Like, uh, I so I was like, no, you don't like it, okay, bye. And that's kind of the attitude I've lived so my whole life um, as a result of that, like those very traumatic experiences at a young age. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I've had to kind of always uh uh, I, people say like domestic violence survivor I, I feel like I've just kind of had to be a warrior at a very young age you know from the young from all the other stuff so it, it that's just who yeah. I became
0: <laughs> you know what's fascinating about that Janet as I listen to you talk I'm thinking about there's a school of the school of philosophers called the cynics and the cynics determined that they were going to be different And they were very, very frustrated with the track that Athenian democracy seemed to be on because no one seemed to be questioning anything. And they took Socrates as their leader, because he was the first one to begin to ask questions about things like what is justice? what is righteousness? And in his search for objective definitions, his aim was to really tell people that you don't know as much as you think you do. And that true wisdom lies not in claiming that you know everything, but in knowing that you don't know much of anything. And there's a certain level of what a philosopher would call. You see why I hang out with him. <laughs> right?
2: I'm over here, like out. trying not to make noise, snapping yeah. my fingers. You I'm see, like, yes, you I feel you. See, like, ooh, can yeah, preach. With.
0: So, <laughs> I'm just, like, let me just tell y'all the story <laughs> of Socrates, right? So, this is just a little, a little ancient history about how he came to be who he was. So. Socrates had a good friend and his his friend's name was Chirophon. And in those days, if you wanted to know something, you went to the temple of the gods and you would ask your question to a medium and the medium would go away and they would engage in whatever ritual they engaged in soliciting the gods and then they would come back with your answer. So, Chiriphon went to the Oracle uh, at the temple at Delphi and said, who is the wisest person alive? So, the Oracle went away and then she came back and she said, Chirophon, the wisest person alive is your friend Socrates. And so, Chiriphon went back. And he told Socrates basically yo man you ain't gonna believe what happened to me today (laughs) and Socrates said what happened he said man I went to the oracle and I asked who was the wisest person alive and she came back and she said it was you and Socrates said nope not possible it's too many smart people in Athens that know way more than I do so you know what he did he went around all through Athenian society in ordinary everyday life meeting people in the marketplace politicians poets artisans and he asked them questions that he thought for sure they would be able to answer because he just knew they were smarter than him but they couldn't answer them and he thought to himself well wait a minute now y'all hold all these lofty positions in athenian society you are literally giving birth to Athenian culture and I'm asking you basic questions about the nature of the universe and right and wrong and what's just and unjust and uh, it, does art come from inspiration or does art come from knowledge and you can answer the questions and it, Socrates says in his speech to the people in the court at Athens, he says to them It was then that I realized that the essence of wisdom is in knowing that you do not know. And what made him the wisest person in Athens was that unlike everybody else, he knew what he didn't know, and he knew that he didn't know, and he refused to pretend that he knew. And so there you go. There's bars.
2: That that is like bars. Drop the mic. That's it. Like it, it resonates because I have life so I've we have life store like real life things that we could connect to I remember it I'm listening to you tell the story and it was kind of like me navigating I'm like you know here I am a high school dropout thinking like oh my god I don't belong here that imposter syndrome you're in there you're in school and I'm asked if you know, surrounded by professors and academics and these people telling me you know I shouldn't look this way and then I'm asking them like I'm like they I would have conversations and I'm like they don't know shit like Mm -hmm. what i don't know i'm sorry like you're an expert in your field like you know some of them um but like aside from this one specific thing like you haven't lived half the life that i've lived and i'm half your age like you don't know a lot of things you don't and so it was oftentimes it's me telling these students so hey like don't put anybody on a pedestal like you like it's okay to not know. Um,
0: okay to know.
2: We don't know. It's okay to not know. Um, so yes, I
0: And and we're... B- believe it or not, that Socrates' mission made him an enemy of the state. Mm. He was convicted of inventing new gods and corrupting the youth of Athens and he was sentenced to death by a jury in Athens. So think about how an attitude of inquisition or curio- or intellectual curiosity can land you on the wrong side of history. That is that says a lot because when we have people nowadays, like you said, Janet, you began to raise questions no I don't I don't want to go to church anymore and here's why I don't want to go to church. And you're my parents and you're leading me into this, but I'm asking you to explain this, this, and this, and you can't explain it to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting the way that we demonize in some ways, intellectual, genuine intellectual curiosity. Now you can be a wise guy, right? Or you could be a jerk and just be cynical and, and sarcastic and all of that. But I think that Socrates represents someone who was able to make his way out of Plato's cave. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that story. That's the story of people, Plato tells it in his, in his Republic. There's people inside a cave who are chained and they can only face forward. And behind them is a fire. And the light, the the light from the fire casts a shadow on the wall. And there's people carrying objects in front of the fire and the light casts the shadow of the objects on the cave wall in front of these people. And the people look at the shadows and they think that the shadows are real. But they're not and they don't know what's going on because they're shackled. They can only face in one direction. Y'all know people who can only see things one way. Mm-hmm. and they're looking at something and they think that what they're looking at is the truth but if they could only loosen themselves sh- and actually see what's going on they would know that the, the what they see that they think is real is not real at all and I'm thinking of how many uh, I'm thinking of the many things that shackle us right the societal expectations the Mm -hmm. ultra-conservative, orthodox, religious upbringings, the expectations of of culture and, and even language, right? Language is embedded with a certain logic of expectations that things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And I'm not suggesting that we all go out there and just, you know, run around naked in the middle of the street. But what I am saying is that part of the real lesson a Plato's allegory of the cave is that he tells the story of how one of the people in the cave gets out, sees what's happening, comes back and tries to tell the people who are still shackled there what's going on. And their response is to kill him. Oh, wow. That's you ever bad. been, you ever been so accustomed to the dark that the light is uncomfortable? You know how it is on one of them cold winter mornings? And I mean, we're in the summertime now. It's hard to conceive of it, but up here in Walla Walla in February, it's real cold. And you know, somebody turns the light on when the light first comes on, it hurts your eyes, don't. Because you don't you don't want to get up out of bed. You'd rather stay there. And I think a lot of people don't want to face the hurt. They don't want to face the pain. The truth is, is light giving, it's light bearing. And sometimes I think if we can see past that, and Janet, I'm thinking of your work with kids, if we can see past that and let these kids know, which I think you do wonderfully through your own example of resisting a sort of oppressive set of expectations, you let these kids know that they can conquer anything. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really what propels them forward to be success stories. You do great Thank work, you. Janet. It's beautiful. I love
2: Thank it. you. Thank you. My favorite saying to the kids when they say this is hard, I was like, Yep, and we can do hard things. So we that's our little mantra yes. in our room. Like yes. we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So yes, we can do hard things. <laughs> I think
1: I just think that listen, I, I have an opportunity to be on this podcast with you guys and and Kind of just watch some brilliant minds that that I know. Like these are you guys are friends and just in your own spaces like there's a there is a a zone of genius. Tim, you have it. The how you tie in philosophy to um, just everyday life and make it really simple um concrete and functional to our lives. I always love that about how
2: I need to come be his student. I want to know what oh. he teaches. I'm gonna come take his classes. I'm like if I had a professor, I've heard the allegory of the cave, but didn't sound like that for my professor. I <laughs> <pushed you. laughs> like, I I wait, but attention. wait, but wait,
1: Janet, you have the same you have the same zone of genius. And the fact that you know yeah. I was always fascinated and and just learning getting to know you as a friend. You told me that story about kind of standing up to your parents at the age of like 13 14 i'm looking at you like who in about about your religious preference right like you had the forethought to be like where they do that at or i need some explanation or do you like i don't think you told the story in full like there was something that happened in the church and you was just like that's injustice i ain't, went to,
0: I ain't I don't, trying it, to it do not make you know? sense. it didn't she make was sense just
1: like and i was just like and what happened she was like eh, my parents kind of they kind of balked at it but at the end of the day they was just like yo she she gonna you know she gonna do what she gonna do (laughs) and the fact that you had the the conscious cognition to be like yo i'm not i'm not about that life and you still continue to live that of course learning your own experiences along the way just becoming more bold and about you know just standing your ground and knowing what justice is and for yourself along with other people it's just it's, these are two beautiful stories that uh, I'm having the
0: chance to experience and behold at the mm-hmm. same time so I appreciate you guys thank you Jay
2: thank you thank you
0: well Janet you have you have opened up some eyes today I hope that When y'all are, as y'all are listening to Janet, I hope y'all ain't driving too fast now. We don't want y'all driving off the road. We don't want y'all shouting when you in line at the bank. We don't want you to leave the macaroni and cheese in the oven a little bit too long because you forgot what you was doing when you were listening to the Motown Philly podcast. So Janet, tell us, uh, I have a question for you. So tell us a little bit about how parents find their way to you. So they have a child who may be struggling with their speech and their, their processing language. What is the protocol in, in your locale Where you are And I'm assuming You work with a, lo- a local public school district Is that right?
2: I work with the local public school district Okay um, I also do private In-home speech therapy And virtual uh, speech therapy Okay,
0: okay. So mm-hmm. how does a, How does a student Who wants to connect With you In your capacity As an SLP With the school district uh, Where you are how, how does that parent Go about making that happen?
2: Uh, There's an evaluation process. So um, uh, when a parent or a teacher, it's called child find, whether it's the parent that's seeking the support, but in this case, the parent, uh, they would go to the local school and say that they would like their child to be evaluated. Uh, We then uh, do a formal assessment and evaluation. And there's a 60-day timeline. So from the uh, time the parent uh, requests, um, we send out an assessment plan. Once that assessment plan is signed, um, that allows us to pull the child during school hours, outside of their from their classroom, and do the evaluation process. And uh, that would require like different tests, uh, student observations, parent interview, just a uh, kind of like plain detective, you know, all sorts of different uh, ways to do that, and then. After that, we have a meeting and we determine if they qualify for services best based on the education. So I'm in California. So based on California education, educational code, if they qualify for services, they have to have a certain standard. Right. That needs where they need support to help them access. their curriculum so speech therapy in the schools is slightly different than private speech therapy so speech therapy in the schools is uh, to help them gain access to the general education curriculum so if they are not able to produce their sounds if they're being if they stutter and they can't you know communicate they're not interacting with their peers or understood by their teacher that's uh, in um, impeding them from accessing uh the curriculum in the private sector it is different so you can get um uh different more services it may be more mild or more intense they get uh it's it's based different you know uh different qualifications uh for that so then they could some students get speech therapy in the schools and speech therapy at home to get you know more bang for your buck they go through insurance and they go through the school district i <laughs>
0: see i see now do you obviously you don't know the requirements for every school district public-
2: no the but they can check with their local school agency and they will know I was say. yes
0: <laughs> I, i'd anticipate it's probably a similar process yes
2: in, very similar most- the timeline might be different because this is a national it's it's something that's through the Americans with Disability Act. So it's something that is nationwide and it's like a legal requirement. So if a parent requests an evaluation that now each state determines their qualifying factors, but it is something that is provided uh, to students in the public school setting. If your child goes to private school. They are not required to provide because it's a private school. So then you may have to seek outside. Some private schools will offer a speech therapist, but it's not all private schools um, that offer it. So there is that as
0: well. Wow. Well, like, yeah. So for me, when I was a kid, I went to a private school, but they had uh, a resident speech language pathologist mm-hmm. if you will and yes. so it it sort of worked out that way so you heard you heard that folks if you're listening out there you have your child enrolled in school public school there's a process you can go through you've heard uh, it, it generally what what Janet has had to say about that and it's probably something similar where you are and for those that have children in private school you can check the the protocols through your insurance and and possibly be able to make connections that way because we just want to make sure we help our parents out and Janet, I'm assuming they could contact you too.
2: They can contact me.
1: <laughs> yes. yes, I think this is a this is a great this opportunity great. to have not a not so shameless plug about <laughs> Janet does have a, a business. What is the I name do. Of business?
2: My business is called Plucky Talks Inc. My child came up with the name. Uh, he helped is me.
1: Plucky and what does that mean?
2: Um, so I was. In the process of coming up with a name for my business and couldn't think of a name so i asked everybody that was close to me uh, to p- tell me one word that they think of when they think of me and everybody you know said like strong colorful powerful like smart you know cool i, I was honored but like very common and my son was like easy plucky i didn't even know what it meant <laughs> i had to google it um so um um her son's my son secret, has had i've is been having funny, to google is words funny,
0: is that p-l-u-c-k-i-e or
2: p-l-u-p-l-u-c-k-y so like lucky just add a p lucky, in front of it lucky wow. um having and. I Googled it and almost cried when my son, I was like, really? You think that? So um, it means having or shown uh, determined strength and courage in the face of adversity. Uh, So, uh, and I thought it was, it went well. One, my son said that that's what he thought of when he thought of me. But also, you know, a lot of my uh, children, I call them my children, people that I work with um, have, you know developmental delays or challenges like uh they they, there is a lot of challenges and difficulties um navigating uh a world where you're sometimes struggling to communicate and connect with people so i thought you know and talks so speech therapy so plucky talks is the name of my business uh
0: very good is that so is that pluckytalks.com? That, um yeah.
2: i don't i have plucky talks uh, on instagram uh, my website is under construction at the moment but um i do have a social media account and if you google me you will find me uh, okay. speech therapy um plucky talks inc and i do in-home speech therapy i also i also offer uh a lot of sensory friendly haircuts so you get speech therapy and a haircut for a lot of my individuals who have autism who have difficulty or sensory like uh, you know going into public places or at the salon so I will come to them um, and do uh, speech therapy haircuts as well Um, and I also also offer virtual services. um, Uh, for people that are not in my local area, I am bilingual. I speak Spanish as well.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) You heard it right here, folks. Listen, get in touch with Janet for all of your speech language pathology needs for your children. She sounds to me like she is the go-to person for all (laughs) things, communication, connection, and community as it relates to your babies. We got to yeah, take yeah. care of the babies. We got to ta- tell you know why we got to take care of the babies, Janet, and what's so awesome about your work. And what's so tragic whenever we see a child die is because children represent the future. And yeah. when when they are well, our future is secure. And when they're not well, we all in trouble. Yeah. So, True. True. M- y'all heard that. You need to call Janet.
2: And <laughs> I- my working. work go ahead oh my other instagram is la slp chingona (laughs) that's my personal professional like i just like to you know talk a little bit about this a little bit about that all communication speech therapy related
1: what does la chingona la slp chingona mean janet
2: chingona um it is spanish slang for basically badass um it is uh I I, you, you know it's kind of. <laughs> kind of oh. it has a negative negative connotation to it uh, used to have a negative connotation to it and women have kind of taken it over to like mean something powerful and strong um basically a badass synonym oh. boss <laughs> uh, uh not you know uh yeah, I think it's something that I've take kind of like the B word where women have taken it and made it to like take taking the power away from it, the negative meaning, and just something more positive and empowering. So, um, yeah, that's me, La SLP chingona <laughs>
1: Scared of you, girl. up on Instagram. Check her Check out. Check her out.
0: J. Episode 48, man, I do believe we have enriched our listening community today. Janet, We yeah. I, listen, you know you're only a guest here at Motown Philly once, so you're going to come back. You're always welcome. If it's something you want to talk about, something in the news, something that's just getting under your skin. And you say, yo, I need to get on the phone with Jay and Tim. You're welcome, girl. Motown. Well, thank girl. you. You. We. appreciate uh, you.
2: I. It's such a pleasure uh, and honor. I could talk for hours with both of you. Yes,
0: <laughs> girl. Well, we listen. We appreciate you. We know that that you you have made us better today, and and we thank you for that. And listen, Jay. Where can people find you, my brother? Where can they find you? I mostly hang out on
1: Instagram. You guys can find me at the speakers mechanic. That's at the speakers mechanic on Instagram. If you're checking me out in a professional setting. You're looking for Jason Hall communication skills coach where I help professionals, business owners and entrepreneurs communicate effectively so that they can get their message out in these streets. You know what I'm saying? I feel you boss. Tim Golden. Tim Golden.
0: Yeah. Hey, y'all can guy? look. Y'all can find me on Instagram at a good golden man you can find me on twitter at drtj golden esq and you can find me on facebook at tim golden three things in life are certain janet death taxes and i am the only black man in walla walla named tim golden i guarantee (laughs) you can take that to the bank Hey y'all, listen. I'ma come bank. find you. Hey girl, <laughs> come on up here. You know, Walla Walla is wine country. Can...
2: Ooh, you had me at one. I am yeah. on my way. Well,
0: you need to, y'all need to come up here because see, I don't drink, so it's just more wine for y'all <laughs> if y'all come through. I can take y'all around the all. Oh, it's a tasting room on
2: every corner up here. Yeah, oh. you, you know, Jason say knows. Less. You yeah, ain't gonna say, no. say less because I. I would be like, yeah. uh, uh J- Jason, what's Tim's number again? Uh, I'm like, I'm like five hours away from Walla Walla. Oh,
0: y'all need to come. Hey, look, I put it this way. Y'all come through. I guarantee you got a designated drive. I guarantee. <laughs> and the food at the wineries ain't bad either. We can, we can sit down, chop it up, solve the problems of the world. We got hiking
1: spots
2: too. Oh, there. the hiking. Crazy up here. hiking spots. Oh, I'm a hiker. Oh. I love yeah, hiking. It's
0: ridiculous. It's take y'all up to Badger Mountain. Man, look. It's high and hot up there. But we can do it. We can do it. Listen, y'all. Episode 48 is in the books. Jay, I do believe we will see y'all next week with episode 49 and until then we are out of here like Vladimir
2: peace
0: he's out y'all
2: bye thank you